Blog Talk Radio. All right, fans, here we go. Four two-minute rounds of boxing scheduled. Women's in the ring. Look at the female boxing world. This is episode number 94. I'm Felipe Leon, broadcasting live from the border town of Tijuana, Baja California, Mexico. And with me, as always, is none other than Mr. David Avila. David, how are you doing this week, This actually tonight? I'm doing okay, Felipe. How are you? Good, good. I was actually thinking about the weekend because I was talking to somebody and telling me that in the L.A. area and that they're expecting um, the temperature to go up to 110. So oh, yeah. you're in east, you're in Inland Empire, which is east of Word. LA, which tends to get harder. <laughs> so, yep. um, and then you, right before we went on the air, you were inviting me to go up to LA, and I just thought, why would I want to go to LA if it's going to be 110 degrees? But I'll still sacrifice to go see it's- you, and none other. If we get a chance, we haven't talked about it yet. But Miss Lupi Gutierrez is actually in Southern California this week. How you doing, Lupi? Hi there. Yes, I am. I'm in uh, David's neck of the woods, kind of. Yeah. So uh, we'll talk about maybe we can get together this weekend, Lupi. Um, we have a little uh, two-minute round reunion, and uh, but we'll do oh, that. Yeah. We'll do that off the air. Um, so here we okay. are on episode number number 94, and like always, it's a special one because we do have a special. Uh, guest, she's been with us before, but it's been quite a while that she's been with us. And I'll look up the info right now uh, when I get a chance to see when's the last time that she was with us. But we do have one of the the most highly ranked female fighters, a world class fighter, a veteran. She hasn't lost in about more than I think around 15 years, if not a little bit less or a little bit more. And that is Miss Layla MacArthur. Amazing, Layla MacArthur is going to be with us in about. 15 minutes. But before we get there, we're going to touch base on the little bit of fights that were that happened in the last couple of weeks here in the female boxing world. And just like the boxing gods give it, they take it away because with that matchroom fight camp that happened on August 21st, that was the last major female fight that happened. And there is actually no fights in the next couple of weeks uh program there's a couple there four rounders here and there throughout the world but nothing major and nothing obviously of the caliber of what we saw on saturday august 21st from uh eddie hearn's backyard in essex england where katie taylor scored a hard 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 fought i mean the, the epitome that the 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 sheer definition of hard-fought unanimous decision against Delphine Pursuit over 10 rounds at 135 pounds. With the win, Katie Taylor defends her IBF, WBA, WBC, and WBO world titles, making her still the undisputed and unified world champion at 135 pounds. The scores were 98-93 and 96-94, two times very close to scores. Lupi, let's start with you. What, do you, what did you see in that fight? I saw an 
exciting and well-fought match. I mean, that was just another one that's up for fight of the year. I mean, I thought, I thought, me, I thought Delphine did enough to win. Um, I mean, Katie boxed so well, and she adjusted, and and Delphine didn't hurt her as much as time. But you know, I mean, I like Delphine's aggressive style. I think she dominated quite a bit. So I mean, and I knew that when she stated at the end of the fight that Katie won, that she would go back, watch the fight, and think differently. But I mean, but what a great fight, and what great sportsmanship between these two. Hey, and gloves off to Eddie Hearns. Gloves off to Eddie Hearns for putting together these great uh, female bouts. Exactly. Go ahead, David. Uh, Yeah, I I thought, um, I I actually thought Katie won. I thought that she showed some some different things from the first fight. Uh, She showed a lot more defense. She slipped a lot more punches. She still got hit, but she slipped a lot of punches uh, that she didn't slip before. She's showing more professional style of prize fighting now. She wasn't running as much. She was gliding. She was just, you know, moving. Uh, uh, she wasn't running, but she was moving, but just creating angles. And, and she, she lost her focus toward the end a little bit, maybe because she was tired. But she still uh, she showed a lot of uh, new professional uh, wrinkles to her game. Uh, I was impressed. I was impressed with that, especially that because I've always thought that a lot of these uh, amateur fighters that win all these gold medals or or these uh, trinkets from the amateur world, they stay in that amateur game, and it hurts them because you you can't just score points and win fights. Eventually, you're going to find somebody that's going to take it and hit them just like Delphine pursued. And I thought that Katie made the adjustments. I, I agree with, with most of what you said, David. I think that um, Katie Taylor started the fight very well, showing those different wrinkles that you mentioned, um, boxing more, using the, that, uh, that footwork that we have grown to admire um, throughout her professional career. But I think that it was a little bit earlier than the end of the fight. I think it was more in the middle of the fight where Delphine Pursuit started mm-hmm. imposing more of her of her style and her will and her just sheer relentlessness of throwing punches. I mean, she doesn't care if she's off balance, if she's at what angle, if it's technically sound or pretty, she's just throwing punches. And obviously it didn't help the damage that the few pursuits suffered in that fight with whether there were headbutts or clean punches where her face started swelling up pretty bad. But one thing that we did learn is that, Pursuit, it, with all intents and purposes, has Taylor's number. I mean, every time they could fight a hundred times, and I think a hundred of those fights would look exactly the same. I don't think that neither one of them can make the necessary adjustments to win the fight, you know, with the landslide. Um, now, Perfune did mention after the fight that, and I find it quite strange because she most of her career, at least her, her world title reign was at 135 pounds when she was the WBC champion. And she mentioned that she did go down to 130 the fight previous to this, where she went to a 10-round decision with Helen Joseph. She went down to 130 pounds. And then she mentioned after the fight that one of the factors that she believes that cost her the win was that she felt too small in, for the weight, that she had to eat and eat and eat 
to try to make the 135 pounds and that definitely the 130 pound category was her her ideal weight but to me and I, I'm going to ask you first David she looked bigger than Katie Taylor inside the ring that's what I saw but maybe you saw something else uh, actually yeah I, I saw that uh, but it raised a question to me and this is the question I've been saying all along uh, I'm not trying to say that Delphine Pursuit is cheating or Katie is cheating or any of that, but they still haven't released the the test results. I made a request to Matchroom Boxing, uh, made a request to the, uh, to the uh, I, not the WBC, but to the other uh, organizations involved, and um, there hasn't been any results. And that's one of my, my I just want to know, was this a clean fight? Um, and why won't they release it? Why won't they say what's going on? It's, Did you it's get any response from any? Did you get any response from Not nobody. Nobody. Nobody wants to say anything. So that is a lot of questions to me. Yeah, I mean, yeah, she's she is a lot. She's very ripped. She is big. I mean, Katie's a, Katie is a little more squat and softer. But I mean, and she is aggressive, and she keeps going. I mean, as to whether she's on PEDS, I mean, I don't know. It's been more than a week, so I don't understand why they can't release the test results. Now, was there's it, something was going the, on. Will the BBB, or the British uh, Board of Boxing Control, have any say as far as releasing those, uh, those uh, results, uh, I wonder? That's a good question. I haven't approached them. Now, that's, them, the, but that's my next point. Here, here's, here's the issue. We could get a little bit into it because we are waiting for Layla McCarter to call in. And we could ask her her opinion as well on the subject. Um, she should be calling in the next uh, five to ten minutes. And just to let you know, this is her fourth time on the show, the fourth time that we've had her here on the two-minute round. And the last time we had her, actually, it's been, quite, it's been a little bit over a year. We had her here as that special panel that we put together to talk about the Clarissa Shields Christina Hammer fight when we had uh, not only Lena MacArthur but Mariana Juarez and Adelaida Reese on the show to talk about that oh, fight. Yeah. But I uh, just wanted to give you that info. But the Vada, Vada, you know, is who, you know, is in charge of these tests, and, and the, but they're the ones that are getting paid by, and here's the yeah. bad part that they're getting paid by either the WBC or by the promoter to administer these tests. So in a certain sense, Vada has no responsibility towards us, the public, to they let us know vote. what's going on. You know, if it was a, if it was a uh, nonprofit or if it was getting paid by the commission, then yes, they would be, um, they could be held accountable to release the results publicly because the British Board of uh, Boxing Control is a, uh, I would imagine it's a it's a national UK run uh, organization, or here in the United States when you have the California State Athletic Commission, our taxes pay for that athletic commission. Same in Nevada, same in Texas, same is it's it's an it's a government uh, office. So if they were paying the test through Nevada, then we could demand that the public for the test results. But because they're being paid by the WBC or by the promoter, 
then they have to do what the WBC and the promoter ask. Exactly. And it yeah, seems like owe, in this case... They don't owe the fans anything. Yeah, and, and, it seems and, uh, like in this case... Go ahead. Yeah, Go ahead, Luke, so. There's some kind of shenanigans going on. I mean, they should have revealed the test already, uh, or they should have let uh, Vada release it, uh, given them permission. Um, but like you said, Vada can't say anything until they get permission. Yes. Um, so now let's move towards the future. Delphine Pursued mentioned now after she got back, she watched the spy. She felt that she, you know that maybe the 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 uh, result wasn't what what it was, but you know I think that compared to the first fight, it was universal that the majority of the boxing public and the media saw Katie Taylor win a more uh, a more a more convincing uh, decision. So pursuit goes back to 130. Now, what does Katie Taylor do? Does she stay at 135 and try to entice Amanda Serrano to a fight there? Does she move up to 140 and try to entice Jessica McCaskill for those two titles there and then go after the two other champions in Mary McGee and uh, Rose, no, 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 Christina Linadartu? Or does she make a catch weight with Jessica McCaskill somewhere between 140 and 147 and go after that welterweight title? Or titles, more better say. Yeah, What's the bigger payday? What's the bigger payday, and what do the fans want to see more? Do they want to see Amanda Serrano? I mean, I say it's split, but what's more exciting? Jessica McCaskill, and there's more options. And right now, Jessica McCaskill's hot, and the fans love her. Um, and she has that all it's... about. Now, with that said, let's say we go with Jessica McCaskill, then it would be safe to say that the bigger fight would be um, at welterweight or at a catchweight in welterweight, 144, 145, even 142, because McCaskill is also considered a junior welterweight, a natural junior welterweight. But is that a bigger money fight, David, than the Amanda Serrano fight at 135 pounds? Or better yet, the question here is, who is better known by the public and who would generate the most purse, Jessica McCaskill or Amanda Serrano? Hmm, that's a good question. I really don't. Uh, especially in fact that McCaskill just beat Cecilia, the welterweight titles. Now her, her, uh, her, what do you call it? Her quotient has gone up. Her I don't know if it's, 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 yeah, I'm not sure if it's the same as Amanda I don't know. I really don't know. I don't really study Amanda those things, but uh, she is hot now. I mean, she is. Uh, but that Amanda fight, I mean, either fight is good Good either way. In ter- for me, either mm-hmm. fight is good. Now, the one thing about Amanda, unfortunately for her, with the troubles that she's had with the zone and other things that have gone in either either inside the boxing world or outside the boxing world is that she hasn't fought, you know? So, you know, out of sight, out of mind. And like you mentioned, Jessica McCaskill just fought and just beat uh, Cecilia Breckhouse for all those uh, belts. So my question to you, Lupi, is 
So Matt Casco is the fight. So does and I would I would imagine I don't know if you're if you if you agree with this or if David does, but I would imagine that at a catch weight above 140 pounds, 142, 143, McCaskill would have the advantage. So is it, is, it, is it in Taylor's best interest to look for a fight at 140 against McCaskill? Or is it enticing enough to give up the advantage of two or three pounds to go after those four titles at, at welterweight, Loopy? It's worth it. It's worth it. It'll be a big payday. I mean, she already has all the belts. She can grab some more, so she thinks. Yeah. I think that's I mean, what Rick Ross Boxing wants. I think they want one of those fights with Katie Taylor. That's what they want. David, I, I, I don't they know want the to go. to this. Go ahead, well, go ahead, Lupi. But if you go to 140, they get it all. Everything's on the line. And the abundance is there. And you know what? That's what, uh, that's what they want. That's what Jessica's. They want all the belts. They want all the glory. It's all about that for them. Not about the money. It's all about the belt. Well, I wonder, I wonder if that, if wonder if like they would do the same thing that they're doing on the male side where Gervonta Davis and Leo Santa Cruz, that is, they both weigh in at 140, they would put up all those belts. And that would be, even if it's gimmicky, David, I would, I, I would actually support it because I think it would be great. It would bring a lot of, uh, a, a lot of uh, attention to the female boxing world if they would do something gimmicky like that where if they weighed in at 140, they could go after all those belts, which will be the mm-hmm. welterweight ones that McCaskill just beat a breakhouse for and the two belts that, Mc- that McCaskill owns at 140. Now, does McCaskill want to risk all that? I think that her competitive nature would allow her to do that and, and as well as the purse that they would offer her. I think that Eddie Hearn would have to offer, offer her a very, very, a very attractive purse to put all that on the line. Because if she were to lose, or if the result is controversial, she ends up with absolutely nothing, with no belts, and with the loss on her record. David, do you think that that is something that could be on the table? And if so, would you support that kind of gimmick? Uh, you know, I think uh, it's a it's actually a good idea. I think you can do it more with the women than you can with the men, because there's fewer women. So there's no, like, uh, I mean, I don't see a whole bunch of people opposing it as there there will be when they're, when the men do it. I think there's going to be a lot of opposition when the men try to do it. But mm-hmm. with the well, women, I think I think they're, they're going to accept it more. I would. Yeah. Yeah, and we I accept it too. And, and, and for all the audience listening out there, if it happens, you heard it here first on the two-minute round where you said it first, okay? And – it's not the first time that we see it in, in, in boxing before the Garanta Davis Leo, uh, Leo Santa Cruz, um, uh, Sugar Ray Leonard and Danny Lamont did it at uh, 168 and 175 pounds with Sugar Ray Leonard winning that fight and then vacating the titles, I believe. So uh, it's happened yeah. before. I think that was in like the early, late 80s or early 90s or something like that. Yeah. So it has happened. 80s. Yeah. It has happened before. Now, before we move on to our very special guest who is on the line, let's just finish up the fight results because there's only one other fight out there, which was last Wednesday, August 26th. Uh, from Queensland, Australia, Shannon O'Connell scored a seventh round TKO over Cal 
Bulmer in a scheduled eight-rounder at 122 pounds to score the Australian Super Bantamweight title. So uh, let's see if we see more of Shannon O'Connell, more of a, a world stage. But with that said, uh, we do have here our special guest, none other than Miss Amazing Layla MacArthur. Hi, Layla, guys. How, how you doing? doing? Good, good. I'm thank good. You, Thanks for, for having me. Here. Yeah, thank you for uh, uh, sharing some of your time with us. Um, I don't, I don't think you caught this because we said it in the beginning of the show, but uh, this is going to be the fourth time that you're on the show with them since we started some years ago in 94 episodes. Wow. And the last time that you were here was last April of 2019, where you uh, were part of that special panel that discussed uh, the Clarissa Shields, um, Clarissa Shields, uh, Christina Hammer fight. So with that, it's always an honor and a pleasure, guys. Yeah. So, so thank you. So with that said, yeah, about a little bit over a year, a year and four months, something like that. So with that said, I'm going to pass the baton to uh, your and my good friend, Mr. David Avila. David? Leila, how are you doing? Hi, David. I'm good. Thanks. How are you doing? Not bad. Not bad. Uh, uh, we recently did a story on you. Uh, we talked about some of the things that you uh, uh, thought about in terms of women's boxing. And one of the things that I, I was asking you about is uh, – what you thought of the recent fight between Pursoon and Katie Taylor and also Jessica McCaskill and Cecilia Brakis. Uh, uh, fill us in on what you think of those two fights, because uh, basically you can fight from 135 to 154. So w- what did you uh, think of those fights that you saw? You know, I think the ladies are really lighting it up lately uh, with uh, Katie Taylor and, and uh, Pursoon. They put on another good show. Another good performance, and I think Katie um, showed uh, that she was the better fighter this time. And I think she's improving a lot every time out. So I, I look forward to seeing what she has going on next. And uh, so uh, um, Brackis, you know, she she lost, and I'm not really surprised, but I'm, you know, uh, she's been running for me for years. So for me to see her get beat by somebody who was supposed to be a safer bet, you know, fighting a um, natural lightweight who was eight and two. Um, I don't think she saw the threat there, but McCaskill is a dangerous fighter. She makes anybody look bad and good kudos for her for always being prepared and taking on the best, you know. What what, what do you see um, in terms of women's boxing as a whole? Do you, th- do you think that the uh, skill level is there yet, especially with a new group, let's say the, the Olympian group? Is that skill level there yet, or what do you think of that group? You know, I think it, it's dependent on the individual. Some are better than others. Um, Katie Taylor is one of my favorite fighters coming from the amateurs, but she's still got a lot to learn. She's getting better every time out, um, but she still gets hit a lot, and she's, you know, um, that transition from amateur to pro is a big one. Sometimes when they stay in the amateurs too long, as you know, um, they get accustomed to that style. But um, I, I think she can she can improve. Um, and I think in general, you know, it just depends on the individual fighter. There were great fighters then. They're great fighters now. Um, so that's where I see it. How, how is it possible, in your opinion, that – Jessica McCaskill was able to defeat uh, Cecilia Brakis. Well, I, you know, I don't want to be disrespectful, but I never held Brakis that high in my opinion because 
um, I just never saw her as, as the, the great fighter that they hyped her up to be. And I wanted to prove it myself. I would have liked to deliver the first loss to her. But unfortunately, as you know, we were never able to get her in the ring. Um, again, I'm happy for McCaskill. She's a real fighter. She takes on all challenges. Um, but I think that the, the, um, that bracket just got exposed. Really. And she looked really flat. She could have had an off night, but and I really think she could have beat Brackus if she had fought the right way. Um, she's bigger. She's more athletic. I mean, she's very athletic. She can use her range, her height. Um, on a different night, I think Brackus could have pulled it off. But McCaskill again, she's a rough fighter. Um, she gets you in the dog fight, and you know, made her look pretty bad. So it happens when you saw. When you saw both of those fights, uh, the the Katie Taylor and the Jessica McCaskill fight, did did it make you want to uh, to, to uh, toot your own horn and say, "Why don't you challenge me or oh, look man. in my direction?" Yeah. <laughs> you know, I've been chasing her for years. You know that, David, and um, and I would have loved to get in that night and fight either one. It would have been great. But now the good thing is that McCaskill has the belts and she's willing to fight anyone, as we know. So there's a possibility that. I'll be able to fight somebody soon, you know. Um, Brackett's held the title hostage for years, and it wasn't fair. She never fought the number one contender. So I feel like um, justice was done, you know. And I think there's big possibilities for me to fight either McCaskill, uh, Katie Taylor, uh, Pursoon, whoever is up there. I'm, You know I'm always ready and I'm always game. So I think there's a lot of possibilities up there. What weight do you walk around in, uh, Layla? Uh, well, lately about 142 right now. And I fight in the welterweight class because that's where the opportunities were. Um, but I'm, I can easily make 135 for a good fight, you know, with a good training camp, the right diet. 135 is no problem. Beyond that, it'd be tough. Um, oh, but who, I think uh, 135 to one. Yeah, and I've won titles at one. I, I won the WBA at 154, but that's definitely not my weight class. But if there was an opportunity to face perhaps, you know, um, Clarissa Shields or another big fight that would make sense and dollars, then um, I'd be happy to fight at 154 also. Yeah, that's so, one of those things but, that... But, you know, uh, 140 is pretty natural. It's one of those things that people can't really say, oh, you're too small because you already won a 154 belt. Didn't you win a yeah, WBA you know, belt at 154? I I did, and by knockout, not by decision either, you know. So, you know, uh, having the power at that weight was not a problem. You know, everybody thought that I was going to go the distance and I was going to lose over there in South Africa fighting the hometown girl in her own, you know, her own country, her own hometown. Um, And all they had to do was get me to the distance. But I was lucky enough that I caught her with a left hook in the eighth round and finished it up. What, was that uh, one of your favorite fights, or what? What name some of your favorite I love fights? That fight. I think that was my <laughs> absolute favorite because I was the lightweight champion WBA at the time. I was the 135 pound champ, and I skipped. I went up three weight classes to take on that uh, undefeated Noni Tenge, and I knocked her out. So it was, it was a great moment, you know. Um, I always feel better when when I'm in someone else's territory, and I feel good to rise to the occasion and conquer whatever's in front of me, you know, it brings out the best, the fighter. When you did that, when you skipped, when you went from 135, you had the title of 135, and you jumped uh-huh. over all those divisions, 
was there ever a, a time or an instant where you were thinking maybe I went too far? Oh, well, yeah, it was awkward, you know, of course, but I never doubt myself um, because I believe that skills, you know, are, are, are the most important thing in boxing. And I knew my experience would carry me as the girl. She only had 12 fights. She was 12 and 0. She was undefeated, but she had never faced anyone like me. So I knew my experience would carry. Uh, I just had to be careful not to get hit with anything big. Um, so I, I would say that weight only matters if you're getting hit. And I'm not one that gets hit a lot, so. Uh, 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 there was some uh, discussion uh, when, when people do these pound for pound uh, listings, uh, they'll say that, well, you haven't fought anybody in the pound for pound list. And I, I'll say, well, wait a minute. You, maybe <laughs> the girls, you don't know that she fought like a Jelena Marjanovich is, is, a, sure. is a really good fighter. Uh, you fought her three times. Melissa Hernandez is another very good fighter who was uh, on a lot of people's list uh, six, seven right. years ago. Uh, Chevelle Hall back up. Yeah. I mean, in my era, those, in my time, in, in different years, that you know, whoever was on top, that's who I took on. And you know, people forget, or they, or they tune in lately and they don't realize where we've been. I'm still here. I'm not going anywhere. And you know, um, I've been there before. And if I'm given the opportunity, I'll do it again. So they better not sleep on me, Dave. <laughs> Leila, I'm going to pass you on to Lupi, and then Lupi will ask us some questions, and then Felipe after that. Uh, Lupi, go okay, ahead. Okay, thank you, Dave. Thank you, Leila. Hey, Leila. Hi, Lupi. Hey. So we were all together a year ago at the International Hall- Women's Hall of Fame, and at Beautiful right. Brothers when you showed up, which we were so blessed to have you there. Oh, it was an honor. It was an honor. Thank you for having me there. It was incredible to see the young crop of girls you have coming up and just the future of boxing right there. It's amazing. You know, the little girls, they loved you so much. So how did you oh. feel to have the 8 to 11-year-olds flock to you like that? You know, they learn who you are and they're helping keep your legacy going. Oh, it's incredible. I'm, I, I mean, I'm sure that a lot of them didn't know who I was when they met me and, you know, that they were able that we were able to talk and, you know, talk boxing. It, it was just so cool, you know, to see this, these people who weren't even born, you know, um, it's, um, it, I can't tell you how full my heart was to see women's boxing in such a, such a way of an all women's show, un, unbelievable, unheard of, you know, back in the day. Um, and now you had a whole cart, like 30 something fights, I believe. Right. Yeah, you said, um, yeah, there was over 35 fights, and you said you Over 35. Unbelievable. Yeah, over 35. I just can't believe there were so many women. You know, when I was in the amateurs, I went to my first national tournament. There were three women in three different weight classes, and that was it. <laughs> <laughs> like, so crazy. Welcome, you came to the mecca of female boxing yeah. in Northern California. So, Layla. Oh, yeah, I know you guys are doing your thing over there. I, I keep track. <laughs> Thank you. So, Layla, let's yes. talk. Let's talk boxing. Okay. So the rumor is that you priced yourself out, that you were offered six-figure fights. Um, you mentioned Clarissa Shields 154 if the money makes sense. So what is the right amount of money for the Shields fight? And okay, is that let's true? Clear that. Is all let's, information let's, true? Are the rumors true? No, I've never, ever been offered uh, six figures for any of those fights. So that first, let's get that out of the way. Um when we were 
uh, aiming to fight Breck is, of course, I want to make the money make sense. I want to make the right money. But I wasn't being unreasonable in any kind of sense. And to be honest, um, when when we were going to fight um, on the Triple G and Canelo uh, 2, there was a, a chance that we could have fought there. And Tom was looking for an opponent for Cecilia. And I told him, let's make it easy. I'm I'm ready to do this. Just give me a hundred grand and the fight is done. And they wouldn't even mm-hmm. cough up a hundred grand for that fight. So, you know, and then when they were opting to fight in California first, you know, they paid the girl 75,000, you know, whoever that was. Um, it's just, I feel like it's disrespectful to us that we have to yeah. try to make a hundred grand and these guys in the big show are making so much money. I mean, there was plenty of money to go around. So, so, you know, it is yeah. a shame. So would you take a hundred grand for, for a Clarissa fight, knowing all that comes with that fight, you know, the, all the promotion? You know, at this point, no. At this point, no. It would have to be better. It would have to be better. So, so what's your, uh, can I ask? What's your, can I ask? I, I can't really fight? get specific with that. Fight? Okay. But can you? I can't really get specific with that one. Um, but, you know, it would have to be fair. And I'm not unreasonable, and I'd like to make it happen, of course. You know, yeah. but realizing that you lose paying your team and the taxes, I mean, I'm going to walk with half of whatever I'm going to ask for. So, um, yeah, yeah it'd have about, to make sense. What about a fight with calories? Has that ever been brought up recently? Uh, there's been no um, there's no promotion behind it, and there's no money that would make sense for that one, really. I'd like to fight her, you know, if the, if, if there was any opportunity to – I fight anybody, but I don't think the money's behind her in any sense. So, you know, I'd yeah, like the big was, name, the one that come with yeah. the promotion. Yeah. yeah. So what's your weight? You know, well, we, I see that, um, you know, you're eight-time five-division world champ. You've held the welter, super welter, featherweight, super light, the light. So uh-huh. which, division, which division are you? What fits? What's comfortable for you? I feel like lightweight was my best division, but I'm a natural 140 right now. I believe that in good shape, I'm natural solid 140. I, I fight up to 147, so I don't have to stress about the weight. And there were opportunities there, and I was hoping to, you know, conquer that division 100%. But, you know, Brackus never wanted to step in the ring, so we ne- never were able to make that happen. So I don't care. Hey. 140 is good. 147 is no stress. See, you know what? You have all these options, and you're really open, and you'll fight anybody. Do uh-huh. you, can I ask you? Do you feel ignored by the the? Uh, yeah, I do. The, I do. Of the the A side versus nobody, you know, and and it doesn't matter who they fight. Yeah. It's more about uh, keeping the Cecilia Brackett show or the Katie Taylor show. But I mean, they did put a competitive fight with Delphine Pearson, and they opted for the rematch. So. All credit to the promotion team for that. Um, so it's not all bad, <laughs> but I feel like some shows are like that, you know, very one-sided. Yeah, I like you um, versus McCaskill. Oh, I would like I would like that fight too. To be honest, I would like me versus Katie Taylor better because I think we're both boxers and it would make for a heck of a um, exhibition of skill. I believe it'd be a yeah. very skillful fight. And I would love to test my reflex against someone who's a little bit younger, who's, uh, you know, comes straight from the amateurs and is just, you know, mm-hmm. the rising thing. I'd love to fight Katie Taylor. McCaskill, um, I'd like to fight her too because 
you know, give me a chance to get the welterweight titles that Brackus has held for so long. Um, do you, do you and, and, and she's a real pet. Do you reach out to anybody? Does your team reach out? Do you get responses? Oh, yeah. Oh, we're in touch with uh, all those teams before, you know. Um, they reached out for a Katie Taylor fight years ago, um, a couple of years back, I think, uh, when she was coming. And it was a big show. Um, but they weren't willing to, to even go up to, like, 60 grand. It was, like, nuts. So, um, But we're in touch with all the teams. And, you yeah. know, they know who I am. They know where I am. They know how to get a hold of me. But, yeah, I'm feeling kind of ignored a little bit. But, yeah, but, um, but you know, recently we're seeing you on social media and you've been putting yourself out there and we're seeing more of you and you're, we know what you're doing. We know what you're I asking for and looking for. Thank you. I try to keep it up there, you know, and I'm training, I'm trying to stay ready for whatever happens. And uh, I hope that some opportunities come now that McCaskill is the champion. And, and I'm I'm so happy for her that she, she was able to reap the reward and actually get the decision. When so many yeah. cases they could they could rob you, you know. She was able to pull yeah. it off. So we know that. Her. It was great to hear her name being called. Yeah. And you know, she's an ugly fight for anybody. She's she's just rough. Just like um yeah. Pursoon is also she can make anybody look bad. So, you know yeah. can't take anything away from these ladies. They went in, they did their best and you know, the best came out on top, so that's what yeah. it is. Well Layla, we're in your corner and we're you know we want it to happen Thank for you. you. And you know we love you. Beautiful daughters. We love you. All your, all, all, all your support, always. Of course. And, I, and I'm, great I'm behind you guys, too, 100%. Sorry? And we, well, it was great talking to you. And hopefully we you see too. you again. We'll be in touch. Yeah, I'd love to come and see the girls again. compete again. They're awesome. Yeah. Yeah, we'll let you know yeah. when, that, when that happens again. Thank you. Otherwise, we'll see you at the next Hall of Fame. Thanks. I know. Oh, that's right. In All March. right, Layla. Great talking to you. Take care. Okay. Right, you too. Bye. You too. Bye. Felipe. Okay, Layla, thank you for being here with us. Now, yes. you mentioned a little bit earlier um, that Taylor is one of your favorite current fighters. What What about it? What about her? Her style makes it makes her uh, one of your favorites. I think she's really paid attention to the fundamentals of boxing. I mean, she. She 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 boxes very well. She uses her range good uh, most of the time. You know, she gets into fights, you know, she gets dragged into fights, and she's just lacking a little bit in the experience. But I think overall she's a great fighter. I, I just I like her style. Now, you mentioned experience because that's one topic. Well, not so much the topic of the experience, but the topic of how Delphine Pursue for two fights was able to – at one point or another in both fights, make Taylor fight her fight. And when I mean her, Pursuit's right. fight. Uh, despite Taylor being the more athletic, the, the more talented, the all-in-out better fighter. So what is it about experience, which you have bucketfuls of, that stops you as a fighter from, from getting forced into that type of fight? Um, I think just the skills that I, you know, they're not going to show me anything that I haven't seen before. It's something that I've, I've, I'm very comfortable in there. I've been in there a long time. Um, maybe I'm too comfortable in there sometimes and I get a little bit careless, but I know that when the time comes to pull the trigger, I have what it takes to win a fight no matter what. And it's just, um, 
I just feel like experience is a big, heavy factor there and, and real experience. Um, she's got a lot of skill. Her skill is great. Um, and if she's sharp and focused, I mean, she makes it tough. So, um, I don't know. <laughs> I think experience is a big, big, big factor in boxing. Moving on to, to another fighter that had a lot of experience, but it didn't help her when she was fighting somebody that didn't even have a third of her experience, which is Cecilia Breakhouse. You mentioned a little bit earlier with David that you felt that Breakhouse could have won that fight if she would have just fought and used her advantage in, in athleticism and and, and uh, advantage of height and, and possibly uh, reach. Why do you think she wasn't able to do it? Do you think the second camp with Abel Sanchez changed her style so much that uh, I would she never wasn't able camp. to do that? I don't I don't think I would I would blame the camp ever. I think it's you know a fighter is a it's a very individual sport and the fighters know what they have to do, um, and I think she just was flat for whatever reason. And I, you know, I've been there before. My last fight in the MGM Grand um, last year, I was very flat, and I know what that feels like to be in against somebody who's aggressive and trying to take your head off, and you just not you're not there. You're not having it. You're you know you're missing something. And it's just, you know, you have off days. We're human. And I think that maybe she had a, a real off day. But I really think she's a, a better fighter than what she showed. Not, mm. not a super fighter, but she's a, she's a better fighter than what she showed that night. Wow. It's it's a, it's surprising to hear MacArthur, Layla MacArthur, say something uh, of a uh, of a uh, <laughs> compliment to Cecilia Frankhouse. <laughs> I, I uh, choked it out, man. I choked it out. I had. To, <laughs> um, I don't want to be negative to anybody. I really always, you know, want to respect everybody. I've never been a poor sport or a sour, you know. I. It's just the fact that she's kept me out of the loop for so long. When I deserved to be, I was the number one contender, the mandatory, and she never fought me. It's insane that they let her do that and that money talks so much, but, um, it's over now, I guess. So yeah, we move on. Now, Lupe touched on the, on, on the stigma to, to, for a lack of a better word that you might have regarding pricing yourself out. I mean, you have told us that they weren't getting to a, a, a reasonable, uh, fair purse in your eyes. And they were, right. you know, be basically her being the the at that time the undisputed world champion. She has all the press. She has uh-huh. the big promoter behind her. Her voice gets out there more, and they were ringing that bell that MacArthur priced herself out. So right. how they can how say you, what they want, but yeah, mm-hmm. um, you know, if you're if you're gonna fight on the Triple G and Canelo card, and you can't even make a hundred thousand to fight in the unified welterweight championship of the world with the number one contender and the champion, there's something wrong with that picture. I really think that that's just totally wrong, you know, and that's all I asked him for, but they said, Oh, we don't have a budget. We don't have the budget. I'm like, you know, you promote triple G. How do you not have the budget to, you know, kick us some change when, you know, anyway, I just feel that was a disrespectful thing. With that said, how do you how do you think the stigma of of you quote unquote pricing yourself out of these fights has affected your career? And the second part of that question, how do you get away from it? Well, it has put me on a on a shelf a little bit. Um, 
but I really think that we need to stand up and and ask for what more closer to what we deserve. I'm not I'm never unreasonable, but I feel that women have to ask for more. You know, we'll never get more if we don't demand more. And you know, if I don't do it, someone else is willing to do it for cheaper. So I mean, that's where I'm stuck. But I I feel like we always have to try and do the right thing anyway. Otherwise, things will never change. Mm-hmm. Um, so you mentioned a little bit too with Lupe as well that Taylor had Taylor's team had come up to you. They made you an offer of an amount, and you you and your team didn't feel that it was enough. And understandably so, you like for the reasons that you just gave us. But you know, you're a little you haven't fought a major fight in a while. You're getting a little bit older there. Although you mentioned that there is MacArthur for quite some time. Uh, more, but when does that balance start even and out where maybe you have to kind of get closer to take up what they're offering to get that fight that might put you over that hump because beating Katie Taylor will put you over that hump and open the doors perhaps to a McCaskill, to a breakhouse to a certain point and so on and so forth. So when, when for, when does it be, when does the balance even out for Linda MacArthur? Yeah. Right, we're we're at that point now. You know, we are willing to hear any somewhat reasonable offers, and you know, and willing to make sacrifices to make it happen. We stopped trying to demand closer to what we deserve, and we're willing to accept less. But um, it has to be somewhat reasonable, you know, um, mm-hmm. and just to make sense for me. Um, but we're crazy. We're not demanding a lot of money, so we're at the point where we're just our ears are open, but the phone's not ringing. Nobody yeah. has well, yeah. contacted us about a fight, so I don't know. Now, I found interesting the comment that you made to Lupe, where, and, and somewhat I agree with you that that um, boxing, female boxing, in this instance has become, you know, the A side against whoever. And you did, you know, right. mention that recently they have put together a couple of competitive fights in Breakhouse and McCaskill and well McCaskill Breakhouse and uh, Taylor and Pursuit. But besides those two fights, which is the last fight that, that you can remember that you felt was a real competitive fight in female boxing? Well, let me go back to Brackus and McCaskill because I don't think that was intended to be a real competitive fight. I really think that they thought that was a, you know, a given that she's fighting a natural lightweight who's, not really a welterweight at all. Um, and, you know, they thought they'd get an easy W, but it didn't happen that way. McCaskill's no easy W for anybody. And mm-hmm. the last competitive, competitive fight in women's boxing, uh, I don't know. I'd have to think about that one. It's been a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, it, so it's been it, a while. It's definitely um, A-side versus nobody. Christy Martin, even back in the day, you know, she had trouble finding quality opponents. Um, to match up on the other side, but she found one in Deidre Gogarty, and that fight made people pay attention for the first time. And I think that that you know Deidre Gogarty, I think went down in the second round, and she came back and made a hell of a fight of it, bloodied up Christie's nose, and it was a battle. And people actually said, "Wow, you know this is great." If she had stayed down in the second round, that wouldn't have been a story. It would have been, oh, you know, girls boxing, okay, but. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, we definitely need to make more competitive fights for the sport to survive. Otherwise, you know, people will dismiss us. I had I had a, another uh, last question for you, but you kind of answered it. Where 
where you said that nobody has been calling, no, your phone hasn't been ringing for any uh, possible near future fights. So basically, you just answered my question that you really don't have anything um, on the pipeline in the next in, in 2020 until somebody calls. So well, my last, well, go ahead. Well, we have a couple uh, smaller fight options just for activity's sake. Um, we've been considering um, my fight got postponed. That was supposed to happen in March in Portland. Uh, we were going to fight for Steve Forbes up in Portland to, just mm-hmm. to get um, a fight and stay busy. We we're going to defend the WIBF and the GBU belt uh, versus the Argentinian girl that I fought last time at the MGM when I was really flat in that fight. So I'd like to do it more convincingly. Um, and if not, if that doesn't uh, get approved in Oregon because of the COVID-19 uh, right now, um a friend of mine was also talking about floating an idea about an all-women's show in early, but it's kind of on the low right now, so we'll see what happens. All right. Well, there you go. Hopefully, for two, for 2020 or, or uh, later? March, like yeah, March, Mar, Mar, oh, March of, uh, I guess that would be 2021. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, well, but that sounds good. Um, but just as my last question, you know, you saw what happened in that fight. You actually uh, – alluded to it, not alluded, but you kind of touched on it a little bit. Um, the uh, Sinisa Strata fight against, uh, uh, I forgot the, the lady's name already. Uh, oh, that was do you remember her name? Uh, Esparza? No, no, no. No, the one, the, no oh. the one that she knocked out in like two seconds. Oh, the, the last one that the she soccer had. mom. Yeah, the soccer <laughs> mom. I forgot her name. I'm sorry. But uh, I, as a I'm fighter, sorry too. I, I, I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but that was a fight that should not have been approved. That was that was disgraceful. But as, as a fighter, as a fighter, how much power do you think you have to, when presented with something like that, you have the power to say, "Hey guys, come on, I, I can't do this." I mean, do you, do you, as a fighter, and you, you specifically, Emma MacArthur, yeah. do you, you have a like, when they give you the opponent, yeah. yeah, do they, when they give you the but, opponent, do you, do you personally let Emma MacArthur go on box rec and start kind of like going on a deep dive on the on your opponent's record? Uh, we do. Sometimes I, you know, sometimes I say, I don't want to fight that person. It, it looks bad for me to fight, but there's no other option because of the money, especially because of the money, especially when you're fighting on a small show, you got to take what you can afford, and it's an activity fight, so you just have to accept whatever's there. It's either that or you don't fight, and fighters up to fight, you know? Um, yeah. And you know they—they they, I, I forgot to mention also they called us the other day to fight uh, Michaela Meyer in later this mm. year, um, but but they said at 130 pounds it was just no yeah, way. Yeah, you can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> I thought about it. I'm like I, you know, and they were they were paying like 50 grand. So I'm like, sure, let's do it. You know, but um, not at 130 pounds. I tried to get them to 135, and they they won't go to 135. So uh, yeah. maybe down the road she'll move up and wait. You know, so. Well, she I'm started. She started. Yeah, she started closer to 135, and now that she's actually in the in the running for a world title, she actually has dropped down to a more natural weight of 130. But I, I would see that at 135 because with her body type, she could probably go all the way up to 154 because um, she's so tall for the yeah. for the division. There, so that's so. something perhaps but, after they fight for a title that we'll be able to fight her at 135 one day, you know, soon, hopefully. That would be nice because um, I can make 135, but those last sounds, 135 is my solid, solid best weight. So uh, beyond that, it's kind of it's hard. I think well, I think 130 wouldn't make sense for me to try and kill myself to get to 130. Yeah. 
Well, Ada, we want to thank you for your time, for being here with us for the fourth time ever. You're one of the, the best <laughs> that we've had here the most, and we love that. And uh, we hope to hear uh, soon from a future fight. And obviously, the doors are open here at the two-minute round to you and, and your entire team. So thank you very much. Thank you guys for keeping me up there and, and uh, you know, keeping my name out there. And hopefully these promoters will uh, get a clue and, and let's get some fights going. Yeah. All right, Layla. Thank you very much, Layla. Thank you. Thank you, Layla. Have a good night. Have a good night. No problem. Have a good night. Bye. And there you have it, folks. Miss Amazing Layla MacArthur. And what can you say? I mean, she was very frank. She's always been with us here on the show. She gave us uh, all the rundown. She kind of cleared up some things for us. And, And I do find it a little bit of a shame that that the fact that, I mean, you know, Breakhouse can say one thing, and like Layla McCarthy says, she can say whatever she wants, and Layla McCarthy can say her her truth, and you know what they say out there. You know, there's 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 different sides to the truth. There's the one side, there's the, there's there's the one side, there's the other side, and then there's the truth. You know, of a story. Uh, so, yeah. but McCarthy's here to tell us her side of the story. Breakhouse has told us her side of the story. But what I do feel that it's a shame is that McCarthy has been stigmatized with this. Uh, outpricing type of thing. Um, and, and I think that's yeah, unfair because like she said, like she said, and I agree with her that it has affected her career, David. Yeah. Yeah. Sadly, you know, there's a lot of fights that uh, we could have seen. I mean, I still consider Layla the top three pound for pound. I'm not exaggerating. I think she's one of the three top fighters pound for pound in women's boxing. Uh, I can't see anybody in her weight class or all the way up to welterweight that I think that can beat her. And obviously she hasn't been beaten in 13 years. Um, Mm -hmm. The last time she lost was to another girl who's very skilled, Melissa Hernandez. And after that fight, she beat her twice. Uh, But Melissa Hernandez is another monster. I mean, that's one of those fighters that the girls today, uh, a lot of the, uh, Amateur stars that are now stars, if they fight Melissa, they're going to find out, too, because she's very good, too. And, and the other thing about Layla is that, you know, she's she's just a, just a high-risk, low-reward because, you know, she's a veteran. Um, maybe she's not as well-known or as flashy as other fighters out there that have, have grown up with social media and know how to completely use those tools to get themselves out there. Um, Layla MacArthur is a fighter's fighter. I mean, she's in the gym. She's sparring men. She's sparring at the Mayweather gym in Las Vegas where she lives. So, and, and that's the thing is that, you know, she's such a high risk, but because she's not known as much as other fighters that are obviously are not as good as her, but have, are more popular, you know, they can't command, she can't command more money because she's not known and she's a high risk. So it's, it's, it's a hard place for, for Layla. I have an interesting story. Uh, There's this story about Layla and um, a true story. Uh, It took place about four or five years ago. And anyway, it was in the Mayweather gym because that's where Layla often uh, trains. And uh, Floyd Mayweather Sr. was training a female fighter, and he said that this girl was great, that she was the best female fighter he had ever seen, and that there's nobody that could beat that girl. And uh, Floyd Jr., Floyd Mayweather Jr. says, oh, really? He goes, 
for, I'll bet you $100,000, I can bring a girl right now, and she'll whip that girl right now. And uh, Floyd Mayweather uh, Sr. said, oh, okay, okay, I'll do it right now. You, there's nobody you can bring. So Floyd Mayweather Jr. brings Layla McCarter, and then as soon as Layla walks into the ring, uh, to the gym, Senior said, oh, no, 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 I didn't mean Layla McCarter. <laughs> he had <laughs> forgotten about Layla McCarter. He goes, oh, no, wow. the bet's off, the bet's off. <laughs> that's a good story. Wow. Well, that's a true story. I almost going to say I... the bet. Go ahead, Lupe. No, I was going to say that um, going back to, like, who knows her and how well-known she is, it seems like there's um, a disconnect at a certain generation, and it's like yeah. the pro fighters like Michaela and Clarissa, they come from, like, they all came as a troop, you know, into the pros. Yeah. So it's not, I guess they think of Layla older than them. And then you have the girls below Clarissa and Michaela, all that chunk of girls, the elites and the, the youths and the juniors, who look up to Michaela, Clarissa, Sanisa, because they actually work with them. And that's why at Beautiful Brawlers I saw I found it curious and cute that the nine to eleven year olds were all over Layla. They wanted to know who she was and everything about her. So there's gonna be that big gap that actually that's what I had to ask her, you know, does she feel ignored? Because it just seems like there's a gap in that generation who doesn't not that they don't care, but they don't know really. They don't know, yeah. That's you a good point because even even among jur- journalists a lot of journalists have only been covering women's boxing maybe the last maybe the last 10 years. Most of them maybe since uh, 2012. But they don't know anything about the, the female fighters from before. So that's how they don't know about Layla McCarter. They don't even mm-hmm. consider her in the pound for pound list, which I think is ludicrous. I'm like, how could you consider yourself uh, an expert in female boxing if you don't know who, who uh, Layla McCarter is? It's like saying, I don't know who Sugar Ray Robinson is. So I don't consider him one of the all-time yeah. greats. I mean, it's the same thing. It's just a, a it's not a, it's just na- naivete. And and they really should study. If they're going to be voting on these lists, know who they're voting for, know who Layla McCarter is, and, yeah. you know, then you can vote. Because I, I see these lists and I just, like, shake my, hat, my head. Because another one was Naoko Fujioka. She wins five yeah. division world titles. And they don't have her on their list. And I'm going, what the heck? I mean, it's just kind of disheartening. Well, also another thing that we can't ignore is the big elephant in the room that that, um, these uh, younger women fighters use social media to promote themselves with certain images that promote themselves a little bit farther. You know, they promote themselves in a way – uh, more than a fighter, you know, and Layla MacArthur doesn't do that. There's a lot of veteran fighters that don't do that, like Layla MacArthur, like Jackie Nava, like Marcela Cunha, and the younger, more social media savvy fighters do do that, you know, and they get these huge followings because guys are a lot of gentlemen and even women as well, but a lot of gentlemen are all maybe following not so much because of what they can do inside the ring, but how good they look in a bikini and that's <laughs> And that's the popularity of it, you know. So, uh, so I think that's a that's a that's a that's an issue there as well. But let's move on to a little bit of fight chatter. With Michaela Mayer has finally gotten what she has been asking for after the W.O. had set a date for a purse bid for Mayer's challenge of Super Featherweight Champion Eva Eva Bradnica. 
Mayer's promoter top rank reached out an agreement with Mattress Boxing, who handles Bronica's career. It looks like the fight will take place sometime in October. David, do you have a more uh, solid date for that fight? Obviously, it's going to be through ESPN and more than likely from the bubble. I had heard something like October 12th. I'm not sure if that's the solid date. I mean, I, I should look into it. I should have looked into it already, but I've just been kind of uh, busy with other things. But uh, that's what it looks like mid-October is what I what I remember seeing. Um, but that wasn't solid. It wasn't solid yet. I don't even know if they signed the contract yet. I mean, I know there's agreement, but I don't know if they signed the contract. I'm looking forward to this fight. And, and you know what else I see? I see, um, okay, so Michaela. I mean, amen, she's getting this fight with Ewa. It's well-deserved, I mean, Michaela's ready. But at the same time, when you see she's getting this fight, there's other boxers not falling behind. Maybe falling. They are falling behind. Like, there was Alicia, was, she didn't take a fight with Michaela, and now Michaela's looking for a world title. And now Alicia, who didn't take that fight, now she might not get that shot. Or eventually she will, because you will. But she's not first up for it. And same with, like, uh, Clarissa Shields, Raquel Miller. She should have taken it when she had the chance because now she's not going to really – I mean, eventually maybe they'll meet, but she's not first in line. You know what I mean, guys? David? No. <laughs> no, I, I didn't understand you. I didn't understand you. Sorry. No, some girls – okay, some boxers that um, – for example, Michaela was supposed to – she offered Alicia Bumgarner the fight. Alicia didn't take it. So now that Michaela's stepped moving up, she deserves that title fight. She's got it now. So a fighter like Alicia is like, wait, I'll, I'll, I'll fight you. Now she's saying it. And it's like hmm. she's not going to get that fight yet. I mean, eventually she probably will. But she missed her, her shot now. And actually right now is where it's at. I mean, it's right now. Take this fight. Move now. Because you're going to miss the opportunity. That's what I mean. Well, yeah, I think it's... go ahead, David. No, you you go ahead, Felipe. I was already talking. I don't, to you. I don't think go that ahead. necessarily that she's gonna miss her chance because because it's gonna come. She's gonna come up again in, in the future because Mayor yeah. Mayor is gonna need an opponent in the future, and and yeah. Alicia is needs the seasoning to face a fighter like Mayor. I mean, she has like. 10 yeah. or less fights or a little bit over 10 fights. So it's probably in the best interest that she doesn't face Mayer right now, even though they're doing the whole back and forth on Twitter, which is another way that they yeah. start getting a lot of followers because they like to beef yeah. and they like to fight. And and, and, and going back to Layla, she kind of done, has done it in the past with Clarissa Shields and stuff, but not as much as, as these other girls because Mayer is in a, in a Twitter beef almost once a week. Um, but but I do agree with Lupe <laughs> yeah. that in, I do agree with Lupe that in other in other divisions that are not as that are deeper, like maybe one eight one oh eight or one twelve, uh maybe one one uh twenty two, uh then there you do miss a chance that you still might get the fight in the future, but it's gonna take a lot longer than it's gonna take Alicia. Yeah. Alicia might get a chance next year because if if it goes according to Mayor's plan where she beats Rodney Rodnika and Hamadouche goes after Huming Choi and she beats her, which I mean, that's a that's a fantasy fight because Humi Choi never comes out of South Korea and Hamadouche never goes out of France. And like what I mentioned mm-hmm. last show, they should meet at a barge somewhere in the Pacific. But if that <laughs> would, would were to happen, 
I mean, the money fight there is Mayor against Hamadouche for all the marbles, and then whoever wins that is going to need people to fight against, and, and that's when Alicia Baumgartner with two or three more fights under her belt steps in, you know? Um, yeah. Or if, if the winner... Yeah, if the winner decides that they've done enough and they go up to 135, now all those belts are open, and now Baumgartner gets the opportunity to fight for one of those belts. So for her, I think it's going to happen, but I do see the point that you're trying to make, Lupi, as far as taking the opportunity now when it's presented to you. Yeah, yeah. I think that's one of the problems with women's boxing. Uh, not not necessarily the, the fighters, but the promoters. I think... Uh, they they try to use the men's formula to deal with the women, and you can't mm-hmm. do that. You really got to fight the best against the best now because they don't get that many opportunities uh, to be on television, to be shown nationwide or worldwide. So they got to make those matches now. They got to make competitive matches. There, there's no building up. You, yeah, you just got to fight the best. You, you got to do it now to get the, yeah, the fan interest. Because there's no, you know, male boxing has been around for for over a hundred years, and in the yeah. 40s and the 50s, well, in the 30s and the 40s, it was as big, if not bigger, than what they call the national pastime, which is baseball. Okay, back mm-hmm. then, male boxing was, you know, the biggest sport in the United States, if not close second to baseball, and then, you know, later football started getting bigger. But throughout the 40s, the 50s, the 60s, the 70s, even the 80s, and somehow in the, a little bit in the 90s, boxing was still a big, big sport in this country. So, so if you throw on a, a, a not-so-competitive fight on TV on the male side, which we see all the time and we see on a weekly basis, a not-so-competitive fight, well, people expect it because they, they're, they're programmed to see um, – not so competitive fights because we've been seeing them for over a hundred years, not so much on TV, but they've been around, you know, and the non, the quote unquote, non competitive fight is needed in boxing to develop the fighters. And that's what we're seeing these developmental fights on TV on the male side. But if we're going to have female boxing grow and get to a certain point, we can't have those developmental fights on TV, like Sinias Estrada against the lady from um, the Midwest. Well, I forgot her name. Amanda Miranda Atkins. Okay, we just we can't grow the sport with that type of fight to try to entice new new viewers to female boxing, new viewers to boxing in general, or maybe new viewers from the male side who have not seen female boxing or dis, or respected female boxing. You're not gonna get it, and that's why when you put that kind of fight. The male fighters say, "Well, why am I gonna watch female boxing if that's the kind of crap they're gonna give us?" I mean, look at that. You know, even though they see that all the time on the male side, but you know they gotta have a reason to justify why they don't want to watch female boxing. So I totally agree with your point, David, that we gotta have the best fight the best, and especially do it on TV. And Layla MacArthur, a veteran, and she can attest to this that in the '90s, you know, in the second or this the, in one of the waves that boxing has female boxing has had, the best were fighting the best, and it wasn't on TV. It was in some some casino or some hall out in New Mexico or in Vegas or whatever, and it wasn't even televised. And the only way that you could hear about it is somebody recorded on VHS or, or somebody told you about it, you know? So, um, so yeah, I mean, female boxers have been fighting the best against the best since the beginning of, of the sport. 
but it needs to be put on TV now so that way it could grow. So I totally agree with, with that point, David. Now, moving on to another news, the World Boxing Council has ordered their super featherweight champion, Terry Harper of England, to defend against Norway's undefeated Katharina Tanders. Tanders holds the interim strap of the WBC. She captured that in her last fight. It was vacant. No date was set for a purse bid, but it was shared that Matchroom Boxing Harper's promoter is in talks with Team Sutherland of Germany, who hands their standards. So there is another fight at 130 pounds. Obviously, we all know there's no love lost between Terry Harper and Michaela Mayer, but they both have world title fights on the horizon. And if they those if both come out unscathed, which I would imagine so, um, we could hope that they could face each other in the in the near future. Hopefully, I don't know. I don't think by the end of 2020, because Mayer is going to play in October, um, and more than likely Harper is going to fight in October, November. But hopefully, in the first trimester of 2021. Now, before we move on to actually the the closing of the show, because there is no upcoming calendar, there is no major fight scheduled in the next couple of weeks. But our next show is scheduled for September 17th. Who do you think has an easier fight loop between Michaela Mayer and Ewa Braunica or Harper and Tanders? Who has the the bigger dragons to slay in front of them in their respective fights? Michaela Mayer. That's a bigger fight, and she has more to, more to prove. Um, I mean, after after Terry Harper's last fight with with Jonas, I mean, that kind of Exposed Terry Harper to what level she's at. So I would say Michaela Mayer. But do you think that Bronica, you think that Bronica is a bigger danger to Mayer than Tanders is to Harper? Oh, a danger? Mm, yeah. No, Catalina's um, probably more, Catalina's more of a danger to Terry Harper. I think okay, Michaela Mayer. She's ready for this. That Okay, yeah, mm-hmm. Michaela's ready for this. Do you agree with that, David, that Sanders is a bigger danger to Harper than Bronica to here? I think so, too. I think that Sanders is a solid fighter. Uh, uh, one thing about Bronica, she holds a lot. She does a lot of holding. And mm-hmm. that's, she, uh-huh. she can make every fight really horrible and boring because she likes to just get in there and hold you and hit you and hold you. But it's going to be a referee's fight. If the referee lets her do that, we're going to be in um, for an ugly night. And if now, we Michaela don't know... lets her do that, because Michaela's so strong. She's big and strong. Yeah. And now we don't know if that fight's going to be in the United States or in England. Um, it looks like they reached an agreement. Um, I mean, it could be either one. It could be Top Rank has enough of a, of a say-so with ESPN backing them up. But also, Matchroom Boxing can make something happen with um, with uh, the zone. Now, go ahead, David. No, I think uh, Top Rank won the Brisbane. Okay, yeah, because I would imagine it's that. It's going to be in Vegas. Yeah, really? so, uh, yeah, that's yeah. what I was. That's. Oh yeah, I think we I did. Know. Yeah, I think we did. Yeah, I think we did talk about that. We did talk about that. that yeah, they won. Yeah. If, uh-huh. yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, they won that the first bit, so it's going to be in Vegas. Oh, yeah, it's going to be on October in Vegas at the bubble, more than likely with uh, at closed doors, but we get to watch it on ESPN, and that's going to be pretty, pretty awesome. So there you have it, folks. Mayor against yes. Bonica set for October. Uh, Harper needs to defend against Sanders. We had Leila MacArthur on a great interview once again. Our next show is scheduled for September 17th. So anything else that you would like to add, David or Lupi? 
Uh, not at this time. Not at this time. All right. Well, with that said, we bid you all a very uh, good night, and we thank you for being here with us on the 94th edition of the Two Minute Round, your hooks and jabs look at the boxing uh, world. So see you next time, September 17th. Good night. Good night, everybody.